Digital. Student-centered. Creative. Innovation. Imagination. Initiative. Stories that matter. I'm Joan Sutherland, and this is Tales of Teaching Online, brought to you by Deakin Learning Futures. Hello, and welcome to Tales of Teaching Online. Uh, my name's Joan Sutherland, and I'm today joined by Lauren Hansen. And today we're going to be talking about key takeaways from Deakin's Learning and Teaching Conference this year. Hey, Lauren, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much, Jane. It's great to be here. Great to have you. So just to get started, can you just tell us a bit about yourself and the organisation of the Learning and Teaching Conference? Absolutely. So I'm a senior lecturer within the Teaching Capability team in DLF. And uh, one of the things that our team is responsible for is reward and recognition of teaching and learning practice across the university. And so this year, I was really honoured to be the conference chair and work with our wonderful um, committee and our organising team to design and deliver a, a learning and teaching conference so that we can all get together um, and share our practice and share our ideas, have a lovely lunch together, I must say it was a great day and it was great to have people face-to-face where we could chat and actually have some lunch together. So the catering was awesome as well. And I didn't realise how tall some people were in person. So that was another great thing. But um, you just mentioned around the organisation offer, and I know it was around uh, the six key practices that underpinned Deacon Design, but also it was named under the hood. Can you talk us through that and what the desired effect was essentially? Yeah, absolutely. So we're all quite familiar now with the Deakin Design Principles for Learning Experiences, and we know what we're aiming for in terms of what, what are the sort of things that we want our students to have in the classroom. Uh, but what does it take to actually produce that? And that's what the Deakin Design Practices are about. And so that's what I think is really fascinating. How do we do this stuff? And so we really wanted people to have a space where they could share what it takes and also, you know, let us behind the scenes a little bit, which is why we called it Under the Hood, because we can often go to conferences and hear about the successes and we get this really polished, finished version of what happened. But that doesn't always help us because when we do it ourselves, we can sometimes feel a little bit like, hang on a second, how did they get this to work so successfully? Maybe there's something wrong with the way I'm doing it or maybe I'm just not very good at my job. And so we really wanted people to open up, be a little bit vulnerable and, you know, show us under the hood of their practice so that we could all start to feel a little bit more comfortable with just how messy it is to produce this premium learning that we're all really aiming for. I must say, I did love that the conference was about the, uh, not only the destination, so that was great to share, but about the journey. And I did hear a lot of insights into how messy some things can be, but what people are learning along the way. So I really enjoyed that as a participant and listening. So well done on that organisation. That was really good. Thank you. Um, it was great to hear uh, Professor Ian Martin opened the conference. So he talked about the different practices and the focus on practice and innovation. And for, for us to have a practice of innovation, it has to be desirable, accessible and sustainable. And there are a lot of key things that came through different presentations. Can you talk us through um, the practice of innovation and your thoughts around this? Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was really wonderful um, to have Professor Martin focus in on innovation because that's often what we see at conferences. People come with an innovation and they're very exciting and they're shiny and they're wonderful. And we can often come away from conferences going, that's so cool. Somebody was doing that. Mm. But how do we translate that into our practice? Or how do we keep that going in perpetuity? And how do we make that work for us? 
in our teaching practice in a sustainable way. So I love the fact that he focused on those three elements of it needs to be desirable. It has to be something we want, solving a problem that we have, making our lives easier, making the student experience better. It needs to be accessible. So we actually need to have the technology and the ability to, um, to use this innovation. But I think the most important one is sustainability. And that is one of our Deacon design practices as well. So we don't want to do innovations that last one trimester, but we don't have the capacity to continue those, um, those innovations or that it's only because of that particular unit chair or that particular tutor that that innovation happened. And so we saw that in the conference um, in a number of presentations, which was really wonderful, particularly around um, artificial intelligence. That was something that came through quite strongly and people were very excited about. I know my team is already talking about all of the ways that we can use this and it can make our life easier. And so um, there were several ways that that sort of theme, I guess, that Professor Martin touched on in the very beginning came through, regardless of whether it was in innovation or sustainability, it sort of was in so many of the ways people were talking about how they deliver their learning experiences. One of the things I thought um, was interesting was around that desire. So if you don't really know about it, how is it desirable? You know, so someone has to sort of get that ball rolling and see the advantages and um, the benefits, I suppose, from a teaching and learning experience in order for it to be desirable. So sometimes there needs to be that groundwork. But um, touching on what you said around the sustainability, that's a massive thing as well, because if it's not sustainable, how, how realistic is it that it's going to be used time and time again? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the desirability part, I mean, that's the, the wonderful role of learning and teaching conferences is that's where people uh, can share their problems. That's where people can show some solutions. Um, and so that's really where it starts the conversation of the awareness of this is something that you could potentially do or, hey, I've had this problem. And, and people, I love when people get together after conferences because they have yeah. similar problems. When yeah. somebody says, this was the challenge we had and it's a completely How did you do that? I know. And it's a completely different discipline or a totally different project. But, you know, it's like, hey, you know, we've got yeah. this problem first year and then you know the teaching first years team would do a presentation about how they can support to, you know students in first year and those connections that get made oh, yes. in conferences I think are just so valuable and I know I have a list of emails of people I need to follow up after conversations and I know my colleagues do too and I think yeah. that's the real value of when we get together in these spaces and share not just our successes and the innovations but the challenges and the, the things that maybe went wrong, um, when other people have had those things go wrong together, there's some solidarity there, there can be some joint problem solving, yes. and ultimately there's connection and collegiality, which is what we're really aiming for. And you know someone's in the same boat, which is a nice thing. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> no, you're not alone. <laughs> One of the other things that you just uh, mentioned was around artificial intelligence. And I know um, it's been a scary topic, although artificial intelligence has been around for decades. Um, one of the things that it's, it's come into the education space and thick and fast. And there were a couple of presentations around that and a lot of discussion has come from that. Um, but how is this emerging and how can we make this sustainable practice within learning and teaching? That's a really good question. And I think it's probably bigger than one that I can answer. Mm. I think if I had the answer to that, I might, you know, um, get paid a lot of money. Um, <laughs> but I think that there's two parts to it as well, because mm. we were learning about all of these amazing things we can do with AI and they can make our life easier um, in terms of how we can support students, personalise their learning and things like that. 
But also um, Professor Philip Dawson in his his keynote also reflected on the use of AI for cheating that, you know, there's now really sophisticated writing tools that can write things for you that were incredible. We wrote a blog post together in his presentation and it was fantastic. You know, I fully expected it to have some weird words in there or not not quite be what we were doing, but it was incredible. And so students have access, it really was, you know, and I think there was a few academics in the room thinking this could help me with my job. And so, you know, I think that um, there's, there's two sides to the AI. Yes, it helps us in our teaching and learning, but it can also help the students. Um, as well in ways that don't necessarily support their learning but may support them in getting through university you know yeah. in a, in, with a bit more ease and so yeah. I think we really need to be very careful when we're, we're engaging with technology mm. that we're thinking about it really intentionally what is the purpose mm. of it and we're also thinking of the consequences as well of where yeah. we're leading to and and there I think are some lines to be drawn and so it's a really big conversation and I think that um, this is our first learning and teaching conference where it's really been a, a hot topic it's come about in little ways before and so I think what I'm excited about is seeing the ways that people embrace some of the stuff that was brought up but also the, the broader conversation about what AI means for us within um, the teaching and learning community. I think it's a great point that you make, you make in relation to the consequences and sometimes they're intended consequences, but there's sometimes unintended consequences as well. So definitely a further conversation to be had, but just to know that it's not all bad, that we can delve into this space of artificial intelligence and other emerging technologies just to say, hey, it's not bad for learning and teaching, but there are some lines to be drawn essentially. Absolutely. It's so exciting, um, but we are stepping into the unknown in a little, in, in a way. So we, I think it's, um, it's about being mindful and and that's why with the learning and teaching conference having others share you know well this is what we did and these were some of the challenges we encountered and we didn't expect for this to happen is so important rather than just presenting the shiny version of it. And talking about um, Phil Dawson's keynote around the contract cheating, one of the things I learned was around a tier list. So for those of you that aren't familiar with a tier list, it's basically he mentioned take, taken from the video game culture and you um, rank essentially elements subjectively and pop, pop that in a list. And for those that want further information, I'll put that in the description. But it really made me think about other ways that we can use a tier list even in learning and teaching, um, online education, collaboration, different tools. So even though it wasn't what he was talking about, the tier list specifically, it's something that I took out from being a um, participant of the conference. So looking at different tools and ways people are presenting in and will actually use that uh, moving forward as well. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Um, Phil's presentations are always high energy and lots of fun. And um, so we knew that he would be a popular choice as a keynote yes. speaker, which he was. And I think that it's always great to have anything where, you know, the audience can participate in it. Um, and I think, you know, it was so robust as well. I mean, there was 24 and Phil provided so many, so much details and evidence about why they had been ranked where they were. Um, and I love the idea of having a, you know, visual tool to rank things. And, and like you, I can see so many applications, not just for presentations but also for classroom activities with students as well to get them to develop their own tier list to check their learning mm. um, so yeah I agree and I think it's the same when we see presentations and 
even though it might not be within your discipline area or even your practice area, somebody might have used a methodology or used a particular tool that you didn't know about that you think, oh, it's, I wouldn't use it in this way, but that's yes. that little thing that I can steal for my practice, um, which I think is always really exciting, that it doesn't have to be that you're doing exactly what that person was doing. There can be little bits and pieces that just spark off a new idea for something that you're yeah. looking at doing. And take those little nuggets and put it together for your Absolutely. own problem to enhance your practice which yeah, I, found I just could really imagine myself walking around with my little practice stack yes. and like grabbing things like a little goblin throughout the conference to steal for myself so I well, love I've got that tier list in Canva now so I've got mine ready to go excellent and so it's all of these things and I think this is the real challenge though as well is that we go to we go to conferences and we get very excited and we do have all of these ideas and conversations immediately afterwards but how do we sustain that we've been talking about sustainability but how do we take that energy and that enthusiasm and all of those ideas and turn them into something and I think that that's another thing that we're looking at as well about how do we follow up after the conference and so yeah. providing our attendees and our presenters with you know more information about maybe you want to delve a little bit deeper into the Deacon design principles and practices or maybe you want to keep the conversation going by joining one of the communities of practice so we had several um, presentations from people who were in communities of practice so you know keep the conversation going if you enjoyed that and then also thinking about well maybe I need to think a little bit about publishing something or maybe next year I want to present and so you know going and having a look at some of the things like HERDS that have some wonderful um, scholarship of teaching and learning modules that we can we have access to as Deacon um, staff members. So thinking about how we can support people who are engaged in the learning and teaching conference yeah. to continue on this learning, that it's not just something that kind of deflates after a week and we go back to our work and we get stuck into, you know, marking or sorting out placements. So um, really thinking about how we keep the energy going throughout the year and not just that once a year that we're in the same room. It's a great point you make. I think any conference you go to, you get that excited and you're like, I love this, love that. And then the reality of um, work hits you or time constraints. But looking at the sustainability factor, going back to what Ian Martin said, was it's got to be sustainable, right? And then how you can build that into your practice. So I know myself, I've contacted quite a few presenters to actually have on the podcast to keep that alive because I want to delve into it more and, and learn more. And I know it, um, of talking to other people, what they're sort of asking for. So that's been a really big benefit. So I'll keep it alive somewhat as well. Thank um, you. Podcast, no worries. <laughs> and I think that's the thing. It is a team effort. It's all of yeah. us getting together and saying, okay, how do we keep this going? Let's not lose this energy and these ideas. Let's do something with them and to use the things that already exist, like this podcast Absolutely. and all of those sorts of channels that we have. So um, I'm really excited. I'm hoping to see presentations next year that yes. were inspired by this year's conference. That would be my dream. Then I would think I've done a good job. You've done your job. <laughs> well, you did a great job. You don't need that to say you've done a great job. I'm sure the feedback will say so, but myself included, it was a great um, conference to be at. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I, I really need to do a big shout out to our committee who yes. did the, you know, the presentations and the theme and also our organisation team who honest to goodness they are absolute superstars and I think that um, people don't recognize all of the little things that have to happen behind the scenes for these sorts of days and so for our organizing team I think it really is down to them that the day was such a success. And I'll give a shout out as well, because I haven't organized different things, not as big as a conference, but um, knowing that it is integral that people come together and pull their ideas and everyone has different roles on the day, however big or small they're perceived to be, but that's how it all um, the 
go the wheels keep turning essentially and make the day such a success so well done to everyone as part of the team (laughs) the other thing I wanted to talk about was the key themes around co-design and collaboration and there were a lot of great presentations on that was there anything that you picked up around uh, feedback or presentations that you attended uh, around these themes Absolutely. I was very fortunate. I got to chair the co-design stream, which was fantastic. Um, And it was really, um, it was lovely because I think that uh, we saw lots of examples throughout the day of co-design in action. And I think that something that was really wonderful was seeing what's going on in the co-design design uh, community of practice and how they're supporting this kind of work because it is tricky work. It's messy to do co-design. It's not, you know, it's it's much easier to to go off on your own and know what you're doing and and build exactly what you want to build. It's messier mm-hmm. when you work with people and it's messier when you work with people with different perspectives. Yes. But it's also so much richer and it yes. leads to much better results. But it's tricky. It's a really tricky space yes. to inhabit. So I think it was lovely to hear from the community of practice about how they're supporting each other, the sorts of work that they're doing, um, as well as have all of those beautiful practice examples of what that looks like. And the co-design can be with colleagues. um, And Professor Ian Martin stated at the beginning of the conference that teaching is the team sport these days. You know, it's not a a solo sport anymore. And so it can be co-design with each other. It can be with the community. It can be with students can be with other stakeholders. Um, and so I think seeing all the very different examples of that across the university uh, was really wonderful to see. And it's not just happening in those sort of traditional classroom spaces, it's happening in the library, it's happening in student services, it's happening in all of the ways that we support learning and teaching across the university. And I think it's the biggest thing, collaboration, it's how we work together. It is like, it's the number one thing we have to get right if we're gonna be able to provide these amazing learning experiences for our students. Well, it's got to start somewhere and then starting with yourself, but then your wider community collaborating with different people that have different ideas. That's how you create those rich experiences, as you said. So Absolutely. Mm. Look, I want to thank you for uh, coming on the podcast today and just sharing some of the key ideas around the Learning and Teaching Conference and giving a shout out to the organisation team because it is such a critical role that everyone plays. But I do want to say thank you for organising and speaking to it. I know you weren't the only one organising it. And just the idea around under the hood that sometimes things are messy and they don't have to be picture perfect, um, but it's about the journey, not always the destination. So thanks for your time today. And I just want to say, is there any other remarks that you'd like to make um, before we finish up? Well, thanks so much for having me, Jane. And look, the only thing that I would say to people is uh, when the conference comes around next year and the call for submissions, please don't be shy. Please don't think that you have to have that perfect polished product or you've never yes. presented before or I'm not in the classroom teaching. Please do put your submissions in. We're always looking for fresh voices. We're always looking for perspectives from across the university, from some of the more unusual places where it's unexpected. So just really encouraging people to take that opportunity to submit. And if you're not yet ready to submit, we always want to see more people at the conference. We're really welcoming and friendly bunch. Um, and we love to meet. Yeah, we really are. We talk a lot and uh, we're not shy. So please, you know, please engage with us. Please come along. Um, and really reach out to any of the DLF team if you have questions about the learning and teaching conference everybody's always happy um, to help you get involved great well thank you for that thank you again for your time and the great conference that was organized really appreciate it and have a great day thanks Joan you too